Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going? Hey, it's Wednesday, which means it's What You've Been Playing Wednesday. And this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators come together and let you know what we've been playing, you know, recently. And on this episode are The Meeple Dungeon, Board on the Air, The Tabletop Bellhop, Dice and Dragons, the Bridge City Board Gamers Community, and Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please take the time and have a look at the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And now, enjoy! Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesday's podcast. This week we have one game to talk about. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is Marvel United X-Men, a game by Andrea Charvesio, Rugerfred Seda, and Eric Lang. Uh, that one was easy to say. Mm-hmm. And art by Edouard Guiton, and published by Spinmaster Games and Simon or Come On Games. Yes. <laughs> X-Men United. Um, At long last. Long last, yes. <laughs> we, we did not pay for the uh, split shipping, so we got everything all at once, and that was way, 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 way after this uh, ended up in retail. But regardless, it's here. So we played it, and we played it as a family the other night. And we got the nice playmat that goes did. with it. So it's a we double got sided a and, playmat. Yeah. Double sided playmat. Really stoked on that. It just holds everything in yeah. nicely in place. But for anyone that hasn't uh, heard of or played Marvel United, um, you know, Marvel United X Men is is the exact same system based on the Marvel United system that came out a couple of years back. And this is just with the X Men characters. Yeah. Works exactly the same way, but we're going to kind of explain how it goes. So you simply are going to select a hero to be in this game. And the the starter box comes with uh, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, Beast, Jean Grey, and Professor X as heroes that you can be. And it also has two bona fide villains in Juggernaut and Sabretooth, but then there's also two anti-heroes in Magneto and Mystique available. So they can, Magneto and Mystique, they can be, as the anti-heroes, they can be the villains, but they could also be the heroes. Yeah, they can be villains or heroes, and they have <laughs> they come with both decks. Yeah. They come with everything that's needed to play with them either way. Which is neat. Yeah, which is really cool. And we decided to play... Um, against magneto because it just seemed like the right fitting right decision to make and i played as cyclops you played as uh, storm Storm, and our two boys played as wolverine and beast you know the whole time i was playing storm i was just looking at her cards and i was like man i just want to paint her because it's basically white (laughs) it'd be a nice one to just white suit yeah a lot simple a lot simpler a lot of white and yellow yeah 
I was yeah. like, I wouldn't have to be so detailed on these on her, but I do like the way these ones look when they're painted. So yeah, you've done a good job painting the original Marvel Marvel United. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, be fun to get our new uh, paintbrush or our airbrushes going on these. Yeah. Sorry, side note. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a it's a very cool game, and the way it works is yeah, you select your hero and who you're going to be, and you get a starting card or starting uh, deck of cards for that hero, and then you pick a villain, and we picked Magneto for our first game. And you get a little special um, villain dashboard card that goes out onto the mat. And it kind of gives you the special rules and special setup uh, things that go for that particular villain. Right. They all operate similarly, yeah. but all differently. Yeah, they all have little specific things that are unique to them that yeah. change with each villain. Yeah, and you also are going to lay out six random locations. And there's a whole bunch of locations to pick from. There's the jet, there's the... Uh, Xavier Institute of Higher Learning, there's uh, the Sentinel Space Station, there's the Weapon X facility, stuff like that. And you're going to put out these six different locations and you're going to put out um, a different villain... um, It's kind of like their villain deck, not their villain deck, but... like a villain card attached to each one and those could be like different uh, objectives you kind of have to take down or like sidekicks that you have to take down, like the blob and, and such. Yeah. For uh, Magneto, they had the Blob and he Scarlet had Witch and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Quicksilver were in there as his kind of his uh, henchman. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then you you end up playing this game in a really cool way. You have a standing uh, a starting hand of three cards. Yeah. And you draw a card on your turn, and then you're going to play simply play one card from your hand. Yeah. And away you go. And the way it works is you play it into the storyline, which is really cool. It's the circular part of the board. Um, it, it's basically it circles the outside of the yes. board and you can play a card down well actually to begin the game you're going to start with the villain the villain's going to play a card and it's going to activate a few things on that card and you are going to kind of the villain's going to move around from location to location and he's going to do a few things to you maybe hurting you or yeah making you some, lose cards yeah he's going to spread some minions around and make things more difficult for you and then then you're going to go to the hero phase where we play down a card and pretty neat the way it works is because for if i go say it's you and i playing yeah um and the villain went first so magneto would play his card down do a few things yes i play my card down and on my card there's a few icons there's punching there's uh moving, moving and there is heroic actions. Yes. And the uh, the punching is simple. You just for every punching icon you have, you can attack a, a villain in your space if you've got to that point. You you can't attack them out the gate. You have to do a few things before you can do that. Uh, or you can use the move icon and move from location to location, however you'd like. Or use the heroic action, and those can be used in various different ways. Yeah. To activate cards and take down henchmen, and save civilians, and do these kind of things. And then there's also just a wild that you can use to do any one of those three actions if you'd like. And Super so handy. if I played my card down <laughs> and I did an attack action on mine, maybe it had two attack icons at the bottom. Yeah. Then it's your turn. And you I. You get to do the follow up. So <laughs> yeah. you get to use my card and your card. Which is pretty cool. Because yeah. then you're not just limited to the one or, you know, two actions you have. You get additional ones, which can really help if you didn't have the best card pick in your yes. hand. Or. Maybe you had an awesome pick and you can really wallop somebody. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you kind of get to work together and be like, okay, so if I play down my 
like double attack card this turn and then I know it's your turn and then you played down a, a, you know, a movement with an attack and you were able to move over onto an attack for on, three. Say the bad guy's uh, location and attack for three. Exactly. Yeah. So you can do all those kind of combinations. It's really cool that way. And yeah, the game is just really, really well made. And it's a very good family game. It's fantastic. It's like, simple, but it's full of strategy and tactics. And there's like the there's very little text on the cards. Like there are maybe a it's couple cards in your deck down. Yeah, it's that very, have text. Very simplified. So it's and it, and it, because it's a co-op game, um, you can help you know the kids at the table and and things like that. Yeah. But just like if they need help reading or whatever, but they can make their own decision. But yeah, you say, what card do you think you should play, buddy? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I think this one. All right, good. Perfect. And you're going to learn whether or not that was a good decision or not. Yeah. And yeah, you kind of work very... your way through. It's great. It's a great game. It's a great system. And of the boxes we got, so we had we'd ordered the Marvel United X-Men, uh, obviously the core box. Yeah. But then that also came with the X-Force box um, and then the Pledge um, box, like the... Uh, the big stretch goal box, which has like another 50 oh, it has something mutants in it, yeah. which is crazy. And then we also added on the Guardians of the Galaxy box because we really like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this game's great and uh, yeah. highly recommend it. Family game, fantastic. Yeah, um, great You can family, find family the original game. Marvel United in like a lot of box stores even these days at a fairly reasonable yeah. price. So if this sounds good to you, you should run out and get it. Take, take a peek, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think that's it. We got to run. And you can find uh, us on Twitter and YouTube and our podcast and all the major podcasting sites, including our 35th episode, which just dropped uh, yesterday. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have a Dungeon. 30, Meeple Dungeon sixth, podcast. Yeah, the Meeple Dungeon. <laughs> we're going to have a 36th episode coming up shortly, uh, which is going to feature Disney's Sorcerer's Arena Super Epic Alliance. Super excited for that. Yes, from the op. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, we're going to run. We will see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Jordan. And we are Board on the Air, a weekly radio show on in Saskatoon on CFCR. And this is What Have You Been Playing? Uh, on tonight's broadcast session? session, on today's session, we are talking about the Oracle of Delphi, a Stefan Feld game by, or brought to you by TMG, <laughs> who has gone away. Uh, this is a, or a game I picked up at ToonCon, which is the Saskatoon board gaming convention gaming show. With an auction. <laughs> yeah, they do an auction, and this is one of the ones I want because it's one of the Felds I don't have. Uh, th there's a few that I don't have, but this is one of the ones that uh, piqued my interest. I really didn't know anything about this game going into it. No, and I was the one who read the rule book to teach us, and... In all honesty, reading the rulebook is like, okay, you do this, 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 and this. Yep. It's, there's no, oh, if you do this, this happens, or this, or this. It's just, you do this, do this. Yeah, there's, you have three dice. You take one action for each dice based on the color. It uh, does something. Related to that color. Yeah. Uh, there's also some generic actions you can do. Uh, and you can get a fourth bonus action with some cards. Yeah, you can just get rid of a dice to draw a card for later on. Yeah, it it's a race game. You have uh, 12 tasks you're trying to... Uh, complete. Complete, and whoever completes them first and makes it back to Zeus wins. Yeah, 
Like it's. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, uh, we we played it too. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I can definitely see some replayability with the fact that with the board, it's not set up in a certain way. It will scatter. Yeah, it, it's a modular board, uh, and you can set it up however you want. There's there's instructions on how they would set it up, and that's how we base the first game. Yeah, and some restrictions where everything has to be able to get be get be able to get to that location. Yeah, there's there's water and islands, and you have to be able to sail get to all of the land masses. <laughs> yeah, if there's a landmass blocking you from getting to the locations, it's not really possible to do anything. Yeah, pretty much every space has something to do. There's no wasted landmasses. Yeah. Uh, unlike most felts, there's no points. Nope. Uh, you're just completing these tasks and moving around the board. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> We would say more, but that's legitimately what it is. It's, you sail around, oh, there's a monster here, fight. Oh, that does this task? Okay, your turn. Yeah, you're defeating monsters, you're picking up statues and goods and delivering them, and... And hunting for your shrine locations. Yeah, and trying to find your shrine shrine locations. And there's three of each of those. Uh, The shrines are specific to you. Uh... The statues and the goods, there's two specific colors that each of you are looking for and one neutral one. Yeah, and well, the statues, there isn't any specific colors. You have just deliver three statues. Okay, right. It's the monsters and the shrines. Right, monsters and shrines, sorry. Uh, All in all, a really solid game. Oh yeah, I would definitely play it again. It was a blast. I'm curious how tight it gets with four players. Well, I feel like with four players, there's these... There's a god track where, as you're playing, your gods are slowly moving up to give you a special effect once, and then they go back down. So, with four players, every time someone ends their turn, they're going to roll a dice, and if they roll one of the gods you have started moving already, they can move up again. Yeah, and those so, those are a free action. Uh, each god has a different ability, and they're all pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the... It's so simple, there's not that much to talk about with this game, but I thought the graphic design was nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. The pieces are all wooden and decent. Like, basic cubes, basic statues, uh, basic squares for the monsters, but they have stickers on them. And each of the gods has a disc with a sticker on it. Yeah. So nothing fancy about this game by any means, although it's TMG, so I, I suspect maybe there is a deluxe edition out there somewhere. It's a little old, so maybe not. Yeah. Well, TMG, when they first got going, they kickstarted it and there'd be a deluxe and a retail version. Okay. Uh, so that's why I think there might be. Uh, all in all, solid game. Looking forward to playing it again. It was rather tight at the end, so. Yeah, we were close. We were within one uh, task each. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm David. And I'm Jordan. And we will talk to you next week. Welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, working with you to make your game nights better. Now this past weekend, Sean was down and we got in a ton of gaming. 
Now, since I've got limited time for this segment, I'm just going to mention each game and then maybe have a comment or two. If you're curious to hear more about these games, specifically what Sean thought of them, tune in to our live show tonight, as I'm going to be getting Sean's thoughts on each of them. So first up was Shadow Kingdoms of Valeria 4-Player. I really dig this dice-driven worker placement game set in the Valeria universe. In this one, you play the bad guys, raiding the lands, and I really enjoy the worker placement system, the engine building, and the way the dice work. Next up, we played a four-player game of Drinking Quest, specifically checking out the Drinking Quest Six Packs Deluxe box set for this play. Uh, that was just released yesterday to the public. Now, we played through a full quest. Now, Drinking Quest is a drinking game mashed up with a card game with some very light RPG elements. As expected, Tori and Kat love this game, and I don't think I've heard Sean laugh this much at a game table in years. Now, this really was a hit with the group, with this group at least. Now, here's another reason to tune into our live show tonight, as I'm going to be doing a detailed review of Drinking Quest Six Pack. So if you're curious to know more, join, join us at 9 on Twitch. Space Base hit the table next, and we played six player for the first time using the new rules in the Command Station box set. I ended up liking these new rules a lot, especially the new 7 and 8 card slots that did actually keep help to keep players occupied during turns. I honestly found no problems playing with 6 and would happily do it again, and I'm all for trying with 7 at some point in the future as well. Now we finished up our first game night with a game of Terror Below. This is the silly Renegade Games based game, sorry, Renegade Games game based on Tremors. Uh, this went pretty well, though there was a bit of rule confusion and rule referencing that we actually didn't see the first time Deanna and I tried the game. With playing with four, just more situations came up. I really expected Tori and Kat to love it, and they did dig the game, but didn't love it as much as I was expecting. I think the biggest problem here was we saved this game for last, and we were playing it pretty late at night. I look forward to trying this with Tori and Kat again when it's not so late, and I think they'll enjoy it more. Moving on to Saturday, this started off with Hellbringer. Actually, most of the day was Hellbringer Day. Hellbringer is a card-driven roguelike dungeon crawler that has a lot of Diablo-style elements. Now, we're currently checking out a prototype copy. Uh, this game will be heading to Kickstarter later this month, or possibly next month. And I gotta say, as a prototype, this copy needed some work. Uh, the game was originally written in French, uh, French-Canadian French, uh, coming from a company out of Montreal. And whoever did their translation, I think, was English as second language, because the translation was terrible. Uh, sadly, the game was basically unplayable as written, but thankfully, I am in contact with the designer, and they helped walk us through many of the problems we were having. Now, once we did have everything figured out, we found there's a solid game here that feels quite different to other dungeon crawlers. And I think this can be great, though it does need some work before it gets to the public. Now, since Hellbringer is Diablo-based, I wanted to compare it to another Diablo-themed game. That's Sanctum from CGE. So we played that next. Now, I still really enjoy Sanctum. It's more of a dice game that's all about mitigating the randomness of the dice. You kill hordes and hordes of baddies and get tons and tons of equipment and then have to figure out how to optimize that equipment while leveling up your character and combining your skills with the gear you found. It's still a really solid game, but the one thing it doesn't feel like Diablo at all is there's no, there's no sense of urgency. It feels like it needs a real-time element to give you that kind of pressure that Diablo gives you. But other than that, with all the equipping and fighting the big boss at the end, it does get that Diablo feel well. 
Next, we, we taught Sean Alien Frontiers. This is one of our favorite dice placement games, one of Deanna's favorite games of all time. Now, for this play, I took out all the expansions and just played with the base game, which I gotta say is still fantastic. I really dig Alien Frontiers, and this was a good reminder that we need to get this game to the table more often. This was followed by a game with the Quaxa Quedlinburg with the Herb Witches expansion. Now, my daughter joined us for this one, and we had a ton of fun, especially since we played by the proper rules this time and didn't break the game due to misunderstanding one of the guards. Uh, so far, everyone I've played this game with agrees that Herb Witches is pretty much a must-have expansion for Quacks. If you have Quacks and don't have Herb Witches, you should get out there and pick up the Herb Witches expansion. Now, we finished off that night with a game of Ex Libris, which went really well. Uh, now, one issue I am starting to see with this one, though, is that the various library powers, the various minion powers, don't seem very well balanced at all. Some of the abilities, like the wizard's ability to be able to move shelves when they're placed, seems way more powerful than some of the others. And the gelatinous cube, while it has the coolest uh, playing piece in the game, seems to be very underpowered. Now, moving on to Sunday, we did spend most of the day out of town taking Sean out to Kingsville, um, having some great breakfast at Garfield's and enjoying a trip out of town for a bit and getting away from my mom and the kids. Um, while we were out there, we had to sit, get to the Bandit Goose Brewery. And while there, we had to play their copy of Racco. Uh, Long-time listeners of our show, or not even short time, people have been listening for a little bit know exactly why. So yes, we played Racco with Sean at a brewery, and we proved that Racco is really solid for an ancient mass market game. We actually had a lot more fun than I expected. Once home Sunday, we broke out a big one, the most epic game of the weekend, uh, that started with some interesting punching and unpunching and reboxing. So what we did is I broke out my copy of Anachrony and the Infinity Box that I kickstarted last year or the year before. Was it the, I don't even know when I kickstarted it, but it's been sitting on my shelf of shame for a very long time. Um, so Sean and I spent like two hours punching and organizing things and figuring out what goes where and what components replace what, and eventually had all of my version of Anachrony in one box. Then we sat down and played a three player game with Deanna and man, I love that game. Anachrony is just so good. There, there are so many fantastic things in that game. The iconography is amazing and it's not nearly as scary and complex as it looks. But it is still terrible to teach. Absolutely terrible. I think it's my least favorite game to teach. So my only wish now is that Sean somehow makes it back down to play again before we forget how to play in between. Now once done in Acrony, we are a little burnt out, so finished off the night with The Game and The Mind. Two quick playing card games from Pandasaurus that both featured numbered cards being played in order and restrictive table talk rules. In the end, we all agreed we preferred the game to the mind, though we probably wouldn't turn down a game of the mind if someone asked to play. We finish off with the holiday Monday where we return to Hellbringer to give it one more shot before Sean headed home. While we did still run into some rules confusion, this game did play much better and quicker now that we had the core loop down. We understood the main mechanics. So far, this game looks like it has a lot of promise. I am actually looking forward to how how the how Hellbringer develops in the next coming weeks. Now, my personal next step will be trying it solo myself. Now, Sean has played it solo a couple times uh, while we were doing things around the house and I was trying to get some work done. Um, but I need to play it solo myself. And after that, we should be good for a formal preview, which may hit next Wednesday. So I'll be sure to tell you about that next week if we are launching that review. 
Well, there you have everything I played this last week. Every single game played with my co-host, Sean, which was pretty awesome. Before I go, a reminder to visit TabletopBellhop.com. Join us tonight and every Wednesday night on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern for our live podcast recording. And look for us on your podcatcher of choice or YouTube if you can't join us live. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano. Good day and game on. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons, and you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's what you've been playing Wednesdays. So we have been playing My Hero Academia, the Plus Ultra board game. If you're fans of the anime series, you'll totally understand that. And I'm completely getting a sideways glance from Julie, but I'm not going to stop doing it because it makes me smile. Now, this is published by Jasco Games and designed by Ryan McLean. It is a dice chucking game for two to four players where you're going to be working together a little bit because that will also help you score some victory points, which are called hero points in this game. But essentially, you're trying to complete tasks, survive encounters, defeat villains, and gather allies as you strive to become the first player to get 20 victory points. Did I miss anything at all, Julie? No, it's a pretty basic game. All right, so what did you think of this game? I guess I let it out of the bag a little bit. If that's <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a pretty basic game. Um, it's a dice chucking game for all intents and purposes. There's a little bit of a like, power, they call them the quirks, that come into play a little bit and they're very asymmetrical they're not all the same quality i would say no definitely some people's quirks are better than others which goes with the theme of the show however it doesn't necessarily make for fantastic gameplay on that note and i'll give it julie uh this is definitely a very basic game and when she means basic is there are dice checking games where you've got a lot of mitigation a lot of things that you're trying to put together to really make it so you can control what your roles are in this case, this is very much a throw the dice, see what you get, and try to make the best decision possible. Yeah, and so, I mean, there are there are times that basically the dice just aren't rolling in your favor at all, and the game can take forever, because like the last game that we played, we basically uh, saw three cards the whole time. It took us forever to kill one villain. Uh, and they felt like the game was going to go on forever, honestly. Well, we were getting a lot of points, so I never really felt like the game was going to go on forever. That being said, I did feel like the game was very uninteresting. And that's where we come into with some of the flaws of the game. This is a four-player game, but definitely feels like when you're playing with two players, which we did, you might not necessarily get a lot of good cycling of cards. I mean, uh, in one of the games, I was running away with it, and then a couple bad rolls just completely demolished me, and Julie came back for... A win, but if I'd gotten my rolls, Julie was annihilated. I would have had 20 victory points and she would have had like four or five. So, this is very much a game where the dice are going to decide the winner more so than anything else. The quirks will help you mitigate it, trying to get an ally, or if you even see allies, because they may not always show up, depending on how your deck is shuffled, you can mitigate some effects, but they are very, very small. 
I think we've talked enough about this game. I'd like to, you know, we can say you can check out our review tomorrow to get the full details of it, but it's a simple game, and I think we've spoken enough about it. Yeah, there's really not that much more to add. This is going to be probably our shortest segment that we've ever done on what you've been playing Wednesday. Well, I think we can talk about the other game when we brought oh, back to the yes. table. Oh, yes. I thought we were saving that well. We should have another game for next week, so we will be... Perfectly fine. We did get Aeons and Legacy of Gravehold by Indie Boards and Cards, uh, designed by, trying to remember everyone, it's Nick Little, Nick Little, Kevin Riley, and Sydney Engelsen. I did that all from the top of my head. So yeah, pumping the chest there. Pretty proud of myself. So we finished this game up, which was something I've been wanting to do for at least, I think, a month month and a half now we just weren't finding the time so uh, one of the reasons why we played my hero academia is because it was going to let us make the time to get our last mission completed and yeah i i have to say it's satisfying ending yeah definitely uh i think it lives up to um the rating we had given it we really enjoyed it and you know i guess spoiler alert we enjoyed it still (laughs) yes well i would say that uh, this is definitely and a, f- a finale of sorts for Aeon's End. Like, I didn't, you'll, you'll understand if you've been playing the game for a long time. Uh, and the reason why I'm mentioning it is that players that have a lot of experience with Aeon's End are going to enjoy this potentially a lot more than people that are just coming at this as your first game. It really kind of uh, resolves quite a few storylines and sets up the series for more to come if they so choose, but it definitely has a bit of finality to it as the the world changes into a completely new state. And that's all I really want to say about it. But if you're an Aeon's End fan, you do not want to miss out on this game. I agree. We had a lot of fun, and I'm glad we finished it. Yeah. Uh, Aeon's End Legacy, I think, is still our favorite because you're building your own mage. And we really didn't understand why you weren't building your own mage in this Legacy game. But seeing where everything ended up, the story and the journey that you went on, it made sense that we were upgrading mages that have been, uh, you know, some of them have been there since the very start of the franchise. Yep. So again, we'll have that come out. This was a bonus. Uh, we, we did a, we came back and uh, talked about it again in another video. And that's going to come out probably in a few weeks. Uh, so that one you'll have to watch for on the channel. Uh, you know, yeah, again, not- I'll say hit the bell. You'll be notified when we have new content. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure when that's coming, but it will be within... Uh, well, within a reasonable amount of time. Uh, coming up next, uh, because we finally got a little bit ahead because we're playing a, a lighter game, we're going to get a chance to dive in on Marvel Champions, the Sinister Motives campaign expansion. Maybe slip in some other hero packs. I don't know. It is a Spider-Man-focused campaign, so I think we're going to want to play as the two characters that are in this. But you can expect to hear us talking about that on what you've been playing Wednesdays next week. And on that note, we're going to remind you to... Keep playing games. Hey everybody, Norm here from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, let's go have a look to see what the community has been playing on our Facebook page. So, what you been playing, BCB community? Uh, let's see, Hans, uh, you always start off with the main course, Terraforming Mars, <laughs> uh, Gollum, or Golem, 
Uh, I've heard really cool things. I think that's Cranio Creations Gaming. And uh, yeah, I've heard, so I've seen a lot of cool things, um, but uh, I have not heard or investigated. So yeah, nice. Gollum. Super Lucky Mega Box. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds like a, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a very boring experience. <laughs> Silver and Gold. Very cool flip and right. Uh, veggies and Arc Nova. Wow. Arc Nova. A lot of people have been playing it, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of soaking up the feedback before I step into that game. Uh, moving on, Travis tried Mombasa for the first time. Great game with simple mechanics, and uh, yet very deep in thinking, planning, and strategizing. Would definitely play again. Not sure what the optimal strategy is, nor do I. Uh, I know it changes based on company tracks and play. Yes, it does. It's very dynamic. and uh, But there are some nuances, like to, uh, do you try to go both book and gems or just one of the others? Is it important? Uh, it is important to get that fifth action, or is it a trap? Interesting things I'd like to replay and find out. Right there is telling me that you are not done with that game yet because your brain won't let it go. And that's a, that's an Alexander Fister game. And uh, that's what Boone Lake did to my brain. And that's what Great Western Trail does to my brain every time. So well done. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a great game to ruminate on for sure. Eli, lots of Marvel champions getting through the sinister motives and chugging through Edge of the Earth still on Arkham LCG. Wow, man, those are two games that I got to get myself back into because, you know, you get distracted. Uh, but yes, I have not yet played Sinister Motives because I'm working my way through uh, a couple other campaigns in the Marvel Champions. Uh, and of course, uh, Arkham, uh, Arkham LCG. I have... Uh, I have the uh, oh um, Dunwich Legacy, and I want to start that. But it, again, it's one of those things where all right, I have I want to like run it straight through because if there's an interruption, it's difficult to get back to. Uh, Louis played Furnace, Cascadia, Empires of the North, The Crew, Blood Rage. I think you always have to say it like that. Uh, cartographers, regular and heroes. Nice Furnace. Heard lots of cool things. I have not played it yet. Cascadia, uh, my favorite game of, uh, of that year. And uh, I still like to play it uh, over and over and over again. Even the solo is challenging. And uh, great, uh, great job on, uh, on that game. Uh, Empires of the North, I think that's a Portals game. And it's based on, on that uh, card-driven system that they, that they fine-tune right on. And the crew... Got to like your trick-taking games. And uh, nice, nice. Uh, Tim. It looks like Tim played some uh, Terraforming Mars because I see a, a picture of the game and some tableau building. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's such a solid engine building game. But it is uh, a dedicated game because the people that play that game are dialed in. So you've, you, 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 you got you to gotta have a fine-tuned engine to, to uh, compete with the uh, experienced players with this game. Uh, John played Command and Colors Ancients. Nice. Nice. I haven't played that one. That one's, that one's been in my, uh, on my frontal lobe for uh, all of these 
all of these uh, historical titles. And uh, I should have like a GMT weekend kind of binge and just get caught up on all of the all of the uh, thematic uh, uh, history and social studies kind of games. Conquest, um, I'm just looking behind me. Conquest of Paradise uh, is a Polynesian 4X game. Yeah, right? Island hopping. And uh, yeah, I want to get that. I haven't played that one in years. And I just, I the moment I saw that, that pinged in my brain. So uh, there you go. Well, there's the Bridge City Board Gamers community what they've been playing recently, and uh, it's is a short list, which tells me that a lot of people are busy. It's spring, so a lot of people probably are house cleaning or looking at their game collection going, hmm, yes, more shelves. That's what I need, more shelves. Well, on to, uh, now on to what I've been playing recently, and uh, I have to tell you that uh, lately, every morning, Daniel, I mean, Dan and I waiting for his bus. We always play a board game. And uh, lately, it has been uh, a game that he loves and is challenging, even for me. And um, that is The Magic Labyrinth, and uh, designed by uh, Dirk Bowman and uh, published by Dryl Meiger Spiel. And uh, I, I think their niche is, uh, is kids' games. Because this is definitely a, a six and up uh, kids game, uh, plays two to four players, and uh, it uh, it's around twenty. It says twenty to thirty minutes, and I mean, yeah, around there probably uh, for two players on the on the on the tighter side. But uh, I mean, here's I'll I'll read the uh, I'll read the description because it's it's quite brief. The little magician apprentices have lost some magic objects inside of the master's maze. Now they tried to collect them before the master notices anything. However, in the maze there are invisible walls and only one of the missing objects is revealed at a time. So they have to make their way through the maze by means of a good memory and lots of skill. Each player moves their magician over the board while trying not to bump uh, the labyrinth below. Each magician is joined with a magnetic ball. So if you hit a wall, the ball drops and you have to start all over again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, this is probably the only roll and move game that, not probably, most likely the only roll and move game that I, I that I play. Um, and because uh, you know, I, yeah, uh, there's a lot more cool mechanisms in roll and move. Um, but this, uh, you have a, a d6, and uh, the highest number on the d6 is four, and then there's uh, there's kind of a couple repeated ones and twos and threes kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you, uh, yeah, the top of the board, if you visualize it, it's what the, one of these games that the box is part of the, the mechan- the mechanical structure of the game. Cause the, uh, the bottom of the box houses the tray where the, where the, when the, the magnetic ball is dislodged, drops down and rolls to a corner, kind of like a, uh, uh, foosball table kind of thing, right? So on the top of the board, it's flat, only a picture of a maze with this kind of like fisheye perspective of posts in the, in the, in the diagonal corners. Um, and uh, underneath that is another kind of perforated grid system where you're able to put these little wooden walls. And that's where this idea of invisible walls comes from because uh, it takes the, uh, the, the, the physics brilliance of, of magnetism 
because the pawn that you have on the top of the board has a strong earth magnet on the bottom uh, that can hold the ball magnetic ball underneath. And you basically move uh, orthogonally connected kind of uh, um, uh, path through this maze. And when you get to the object, now again, the, uh, the objects are, this is the cool part too. It's a bag uh, uh, drawing kind of thing. So there are 24 objects on this grid pattern that you look from above on the board. And in the bag represents a disc of each of these uh, images. So you reach in the bag and you go, oh, I have to go get the feather. So you look on the board where the feather is, you start from your corner, you roll the dice and you move. Now, <laughs> it's a memory game and uh, you, yeah, it's so, sometimes your, your mind is caught in between, where do I need to go? And I forgot if there's a, is there a wall here? Is there a wall here? And uh, the, the most devastating part is when you finally roll a four, that in your first move, you run into a wall and your ball drops. <laughs> but uh, your, your turn comes around so fast that there's not, there's not any of this kind of waiting for your turn thing. Now, if you know my son, <laughs> he's a little cheat. Because <laughs> you can, as you're moving, it says that once you move in a direction, you have to dedicate to that direction. Now, my son will go in and you can hear a little tap, tap tap and he'll kind of he'll little test move and he'll look at me out of the corner of his eye kind of you watching this i hope you're not watching this but uh as i mean comes down to we're playing to have fun and that's exactly what this game is even even if i there's times where he'll have now again how the how you win is once you collect five objects the first of five wins and there's been times where i can't even get to my first one because i can't remember how the maze works and, uh, and then after every game, we give the, the board a 90-degree spin. So it spins the map that we've tried to create in our brain, and we go at it again. And I have to tell you, it's a challenge sometimes. And, uh, okay, because this is about 7.30, quarter to 8 in the morning that we're doing this. So I haven't had a coffee yet now. So we're, 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 talking, we're talking fog, <laughs> memory fog. So, but uh, as far as wanting to find a game to play with your kids, this is a fantastic game. And uh, I, I, I encourage um, uh, everybody, if you, if you see it, have a look at it. If it interests you, yeah, pick it up. It's a, it's a great game. We've had it for years now. And uh, so there you go. That's, uh, that's the Magic Labyrinth. Now, myself, um, I had the opportunity to, uh, uh, Dave, Gamers Garage, Dave brought over Anno 1800, uh, designed by my favorite Martin Wallace and published by Cosmos. And uh, the story behind this one, I mean, the tagline is, fulfill the wishes of your population by producing ever more luxurious goods. And it is a uh, turn-of-the-century tall ship kind of uh, um, uh networking exchange you have to trade in order to be able to to uh, uh, build and grow and Jordan refers to this as as tech tree the board game <laughs> or uh, yeah but uh, it is um, yeah your industry manufacturing you've got your your player tableau in front of you and uh, the the game itself I think it was based off of a computer game is what they're telling me and uh, the, yeah, I mean, I, I love Martin Wallace and I love the, this idea of uh, trying to plan out in levels what you want to accomplish and how you're going to accomplish it. 
And uh, this is the first Martin Wallace game that uh, haven't, I haven't had any poverty <laughs> or being in debt. Because <laughs> uh, that's not, usually that's the, the crux of most of his games is, all right, if there's a way to economically fail, I will do it. But uh, this one is kind of cool because you're trying to produce a tight industry in regards to the cards that you have in your hand because that's the timer. The, you you want to get the cards out of your hand and into your tableau because that's one, the point generating system, and uh, two, the idea of tech tree in the idea uh, of if I want to produce, let's say, a, a, uh, a mechanical uh, a product, right? then I need to reverse engineer the fact that, well, there, someone has to have rubber wheels that I can go get, and someone has to have this component, and someone, I can't have all the components, so I have to do some trading. And when you do some trading, that's when, the, you know, when you're traded with, you get to uh, get some gold, because that gold will help you release some of your, uh, in this case, different colored cubes uh, uh, denote different levels of technology used to create this this industrial infrastructure of producing goods and trading goods. Uh, without getting into too much detail and, you know, turning this into a review, uh, there was a lot of depth in this game and there's a lot to think about in regards to, uh, uh, you know, the idea of a, of a Martin Wallace game that there's going to be some dimension to it and there's going to be a, a lot of ways to navigate your way to accumulating the points that are necessary and this is one of those games uh, I've only played it once I want to play it more because uh, yeah uh, just like uh, uh, the the uh, I think it was Travis that was talking about uh, Mombasa that I was you ruminate you think about oh I could have done this or, or what would happen if I tried this approach and that this is one of those games for, at least for me now, I understand that there's a lot of other people who were, were kind of like, you know, ho-hum on the idea. And, that, and that's okay, because uh, the, the appreciation of, of this hobby is so subjective that everybody's got a different itch in their brain that needs scratching. So this one, I, I, think, it's, I think it's there for me, but I want to play some more. So um, that was Anno 1800, Martin Wallace and Cosmos published. Uh, we are at that point so uh, that uh, uh, so thankful that you're listening <laughs> and that you've taken the time to hear what we have to say about board games and so thankful to the content creators that uh, are so generous in their time and in their creative energy to collaborate and make this happen. So thank you so much. Always, always. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?